VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Hi, friends. You're listening to the Lazy Genius Podcast. I'm Kendra Adachi, and I'm here to help you be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Today is part two of our Food in a Bowl series. Last week we talked about Food in a Bowl basics, how you need contrast more than anything else, and you build that contrast using four dinner bowl building blocks, base, protein, toppings, and sauce. If you missed that episode, definitely listen to it before you listen to this one. And today in part two, we're talking about flavors. There are so many ways to put together flavors because flavor options are like literally endless. And that's a little bit of why it's hard, right? When we have so many options, it feels overwhelming and we just kind of give up. Not just with dinner bowls, with many things in life, right? So today we're going to distill flavor down a bit to help you think through how to put together your own dinner bowl. Okay, so to pare down the options for a dinner bowl, it's helpful to start with two things, an engine, and a destination. Your engine is the one choice you know you're definitely using. It's like um, something you already have in your house that you want to use. Maybe it's fresh produce from a generous neighbor's garden, or it's meat that was on sale that you need to cook. Your engine can be any of the four building blocks, base, protein, toppings, or sauce, but making one set decision for your bowl, it makes the other choices easier. You just need something that's already there that can drive the rest of the decisions, like an engine drives things. I understand cars very well. And the other thing that's helpful is your destination. I think the best way to frame a destination is by cuisine. So let's say your engine is a rotisserie chicken that was on sale, but where are you going with it? It's Japanese, Tex-Mex, Italian, Thai. So A cuisine can be your destination, or you can use an already existing dish as a destination inspiration for your dinner bowl. Uh, Cheeseburgers, barbecue chicken pizza, California rolls, beef stew, fish tacos. You can use a dish that's uh, technically not a dinner bowl, but use it as your destination to kind of build your dinner bowl with that dish's flavors as the inspiration. Does that make sense? So when you have your engine, that one ingredient you're already planning to use no matter what, and your destination, which helps you limit your flavor options, you're 80% of the way there to building your bowl. We are going to practically build some bowls at the end of this episode using the engine destination model. But for now, let's talk about some destination options. More specifically, what ingredients go together when you think of certain cuisines. Now, before I give you flavor combos, you know what I'm going to mention, right? 
Yes, the Flavor Bible. We're going to talk about the Flavor Bible. The Flavor Bible is my most treasured book in my kitchen. It's a literal encyclopedia of what ingredients go together. And it is my favorite. The binding is starting to get sad because I use it so often. I use it almost almost every day. It's such a great place to start when building bowls because you can get topping ideas so easily. So if this way of eating, it seems like you're seen or you just want to become better at riffing on recipes and throwing stuff together with what you have, this book is essential, truly. If you have basic cooking skills, like how to roast and saute and grill, a couple of which I have episodes on, by the way, you can put anything together using the Flavor Bible. Okay, so let's talk about what foods go together. If you don't have the Flavor Bible and you aren't going to look it up, um, or you just want to like quickly think about what ingredient combinations you might have without having to check a, a resource, a great way is honestly to think about restaurant meals. When you go to your favorite Mexican restaurant, what ingredients are in a lot of things? Jalapenos and other chilies and peppers, tomatoes, avocado, beans, tortillas, queso fresco, cilantro, onions, and then spices and flavors like chili powder and cumin and lime. You can imagine a restaurant menu or even just pay attention the next time you go to a restaurant and see what ingredients are used often. That means that they go together well to create a unique flavor. If you think about it, different cuisines from different countries are based on common cooking techniques and a limited number of ingredients used in many ways. In America, most of us are spoiled because we can get any ingredient anytime. But if you live in Tokyo, sure, you have access to variety for sure. But you're on the sea. So there's a lot of fish and other seafood. Japanese food has a lot of seaweed in it. Not because they like love seaweed, but because ancient Japanese people had to eat what they had and they had a lot of seaweed. And now it's traditional. Rice grows well in the wet landscape by the ocean, as do soybeans that are the basis for tofu. The Japanese culture um, traditionally is also very patient. I know this because I am married to a Japanese man and have Japanese in-laws. So like they have a lot of big flavor ingredients that take a long time to create, like months to create. Things like soy sauce and bonito flakes, which are um, like basically little pieces of dried fish. Don't overthink it. It's fine. Um, My in-laws are Japanese. And so um, I just have a lot of exposure to these particular ingredients and they are amazing. But it's funny. The food is really, um, it's kind of limited and really simple. Um, Japanese cuisine was built on the foods that they had access to. And people were just creative with all the ways to use what they had. And that is true of so many cuisines. You're not going to find a whole lot of cuisines that have a million different flavor and ingredient options. They have what they have. All right. So let's go back to the Mexican restaurant and we're going to look at the same thing. Um, Jim Gaffigan, he had a joke years ago about how every dish at a Mexican restaurant is meat, beans, cheese, and a tortilla. Kind of like, yeah, it's true, but in like a million different ways. Um, and so I want you to think about how these ingredients are. It's like the same ingredients, but they're used in multiple ways. For example, jalapeno peppers. Jalapeno peppers are a great ingredient to have in your dinner bowl with a 
Mexican-inspired destination. You could chop up raw jalapeno. Easy. Done. You could also buy or make, if you wanted to, pickled jalapenos. Um, It's a different flavor and texture, but still very complementary to Mexican flavors. There are also smoked jalapenos called chipotle peppers, which are spicy and smoky and amazing. You could even throw a couple of jalapenos on the grill when you're grilling your steak or your chicken to add a different kind of smoky flavor and a softer texture to that jalapeno when it's grilled. So the ingredients for many cuisines are fairly limited, but you can be creative in how you prepare them and how they fit into your four dinner bowl building blocks, base, protein, toppings, and sauce. You don't always have to use, um, like for example, with black beans, you don't have to use like plain heated up black beans on your Mexican dinner bowl. You can change up how you use it, all right? You can mash them together with some sour cream and lime juice, almost like uh, like refried beans that aren't refried, <laughs> like kind of like bean dip. You can throw them in a skillet with oil and sliced onion to get like a little bit of crisp on them. So you can use a basic list of ingredients. Don't feel limited necessarily in a bad way by a basic list of ingredients. It's actually super, super helpful. And remember that you have options of how you use those ingredients, how they're cooked and what they go with. All right, so let's break down a few cuisine destinations to help you think about ingredients that go together. And then you can have some options on what to do with those ingredients as you build your bowl. Um, I'd say we'll start with Asian, but just saying Asian feels so unfair because Asia is enormous. The differences in uh, different cuisines like Japanese, Korean, Thai, and Indian, they are huge, right? But you don't have to let that stop you. You are... um, you're not offending an entire people group by using green salsa on a Korean bowl. As long as you're using ingredients that generally go together and offer the contrast, your dinner bowl is going to be great. So we're going to plow through a few lists of flavors inspired by different cuisines. Um, but we're not going to say just Asian because it's too big. <laughs> I did already say, um, say Japanese. Um, so I'm just going to start there really quickly. So rice and noodles are the perfect base for a Japanese bowl. Fish is a great protein. Chicken and beef are great too, of course. Um, For toppings, you might use raw uh, radish, green onion, ginger for sure, whether it's like used in a marinade on the meat or it's pickled or it's just like grated on top, which is super traditional to do in Japanese food. Anything pickled, oh my gosh, Japanese people love them some pickles. And then greens, any sort of like, yeah, like leafy greens. Now, in terms of sauces or flavors, soy sauce is plenty. Like you could just use soy sauce and be fine. You could also use dashi, which is a Japanese stock. It's made from kelp, which is, you know, like seaweed. And it's actually super, super delicious. Um, If you've ever had um, miso soup, sometimes there's dashi in that or in a lot of um, like brothy Japanese soups. It's really, really quite delicious, but you know, don't freak, you don't have to use it. It's fine. Um, Mirin is a great ingredient. It is sweet. Um, You can get that in like the Asian food aisle at Target. And it's like what you could use instead of sugar. And it's, it's just got a really great flavor. I use it in like all my Japanese marinades. Um, Ponzu, which is citrusy. That's another thing that you could have as a staple sesame seeds or sesame oil for like that rich umami kind of flavor. Sesame seed, um, the, the taste of sesame goes really far. It's really strong. So you don't have to use a lot. And then wasabi, which is like a, like heat, but it's like a fresh heat. It's like, it's Japanese horseradish basically. 
So let's say um, really high quality salmon is on sale at Whole Foods and I jump on it and I want to cook it that night. I'm only going to buy a couple of salmon steaks to keep the cost down since this is a bowl. Not everybody needs their own piece of salmon. Salmon is my engine and it's my protein, right? And my building block. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. I don't know if you've checked out my website lately, but she just got an upgrade and we did it with Squarespace. With Squarespace, it is so easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. My team recently updated our Squarespace site to use Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. It's seriously so cool. It's mobile layout display. It lets us see what people see on their own mobile devices as we make edits and updates. And 78% of you visit the site on your mobile device. So making sure what you see looks and performs the way it's meant to matters to me. If you want to build a new website, try out Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash lazy genius to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Rosetta Stone. Last year, Kaz and I went to Italy and holy moly, what a trip. The museums, the food, the culture. At least once a week, I still think about the gelato. One thing that would have been nice, though, is to know actual Italian. We used translation apps and we made it work, but I love that I can start learning new languages for future trips now with Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with 25 languages to choose from. I can learn on the go with downloadable offline lessons in the app or at my desktop. My favorite feature, though, is true accent, which gives me feedback on how well I'm pronouncing words as I'm learning them. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Lazy Genius podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com genius. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com genius today. I found Olive in June in 2020 when we were all looking for new hobbies and things to do. Well, now almost four years later, doing my nails at home with my daughter, Annie, and Olive in June's Manny system is still one of the things I look forward to every week. Olive in June makes it easy to get a salon-worthy manicure from the comfort of your home. The Manny system has everything you need in one box, salon-grade tools designed just for DIY, and your choice of six polish colors. And y'all, the colors they make are stunning. Annie and I just tried out their new colors for Valentine's day. I'm wearing Love Note, a sparkly nude that matches my skin tone. And Annie is wearing Bouquet, a shimmery pink that matches her personality. Plus, Olive and June's polish is chip resistant and lasts for seven days. Visit oliveandjune.com slash lazy genius for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash L-A-Z-Y-G-E-N-I-U-S for 20% off your first Manny system. This episode is sponsored by Ritual. The days are getting longer, but it's still tough to get the recommended vitamin D from sunshine alone, not to mention the risks we take with sun exposure. That's why I love that my multivitamin is helping me out. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus, that's the one I take, was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. And for someone like me who likes to move but has glass knees, I'll take all the extra support from my multivitamin I can get. 
Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, flute and major allergen free, and gentle on an empty stomach. Plus, each bottle has a minty essence that makes taking them actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash lazy genius. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash lazy genius for 20% off. Now, a perfect base for a Japanese bowl, especially with salmon as the protein, is rice. White rice and salmon, you guys. They are magical together. I cannot even tell you. P.S. I'm going to offer some rice thoughts next week in the hacks and how to's episode, but I just need to say that I'm married to a Japanese man. We take our rice really, really seriously. I buy enormous bags of high quality rice at the Asian grocery store every couple of months. And I have a rice cooker that legit does not have English words on it. And I love it. I'm never going to go back to other kinds of white rice again. Now I'm not saying that you can't, but I don't make rice on the stove anymore or have rice in like um, like the Uncle Ben's style, like where it's loose, loose grains, because we like it sticky and short grained and amazing. So I will offer what tips I can next week, but I feel like that's an important thing to mention today. Um, I'm a rice knob. There you go. Okay. So we have got, um, so rice is the base, um, salmon as the protein. There's no seasonings yet, right? We've just got some you know, toothsome <laughs> texture. How do you describe the texture of rice? Um, and it's, you know, like it's just rice. It's like the mildest flavor ever. And then like tender, really fatty, slightly sweet salmon. It's also great if you imagine the color is really good because you've got the white and then that contrasting deep pink. So the bowl is already pretty. Now, as you decide what goes next, toppings or sauce, think about what you already have or already know. You might have like a great salty ginger dressing that would be a perfect sauce, which frees you up. That's taken care of, right? You can take a few minutes to saute up some spinach or scallions with that. Um, Maybe you want to finally play around with those bottles of Asian ingredients and you do make a sauce. And so your toppings will be simpler, okay? You're not going to like cook a whole lot of things. So here are a couple of ways to finish out the bowl. You could do rice, salmon, spinach that's sauteed in soy sauce and ginger, crunchy, fresh green onions, and then a drizzle of yum, yum, my beloved yum, yum sauce, which you can buy in a lot of different regular store grocery stores. Another bowl would be the rice, the salmon, fresh cucumber, avocado, and a soy sesame kind of dressing, almost like a salmon roll. Um, Salmon rice bowls are a thing of beauty. So if you haven't tried it yet, I just encourage you to give that combination a whirl. Um, Just start with salmon and rice and see what happens. Okay. That was a longer one. We're going to speed up and get through some more. Okay. If Thai food is your destination, here are some ingredients to pull from. Thai basil, chili peppers and bell peppers, cilantro, coconut, you know, coconut milk, coconut water, uh, garlic, ginger, lemongrass, lime, mint, and peanuts. Those are like the main Thai flavors. Also, um, rice, of course, and then a variety of proteins and vegetables. You can sort of pick what you like. So let's say you have rotisserie chicken as your engine and Thai as your destination. You put the chicken over brown rice or Thai noodles, okay? You're going to saute some um, really colorful bell peppers along with a little jalapeno for heat until they're like a little 
little charred. You don't move them around in the pan. Let them kind of get charred on the edges. And they've still got a bite to them. They're not like super duper soft. You're going to layer that on the rice and the chicken. And then in that same skillet that you just sauteed the vegetables, saute those peppers, you're going to stir in some garlic and ginger and coconut milk. And you're going to let it bubble together a little to thicken up. And then you're going to put a squeeze of lime in there to finish because you need that acid. And then you pour that over the bowl for the sauce. And then you're going to top it with chopped cilantro and peanuts. You guys, that sounds so dang good. Again, we're going to talk about the logistics of how all this happens next week. Um, Notice though, we just used one pan. You know, you make a sauce in the pan that you made your vegetables in. Um, But for now, just get inspired by those flavors. Okay, how about a Greek destination? I want you to remember to think about restaurants too, right? Imagine how those ingredients show up in restaurants. So your ingredient list would be, you know, fresh herbs, so many fresh herbs like basil, parsley, mint, feta cheese, garlic, honey, lamb, lemon, olive oil, oregano, peppers and onions, tomatoes, zucchini, rice, yogurt, and pita bread. Those are all over the place in a ton of Greek dishes that you see. So um, this could be great with a rice base, but let's say you really don't want to do rice. So let's do a base of like roasted vegetables, okay? Eggplant, peppers, and onions are roasted until they're charred and also a little soft. So that's your base. So on top, you could do rotisserie chicken, easy. You could do some quick grilled shrimp. Um, If you wanted to do like lamb meatballs, you're going to do that. Your toppings are easy. Chopped cucumber and tomato, maybe some olives, and your sauce is yogurt mixed with lemon juice, garlic, and salt, and any fresh herbs you have around. Delicious. Done. For you adventurous folks who are tired of everything being Asian or Tex-Mex, what about like North African, like Moroccan food? That food is delicious. So your list would be chickpeas, couscous, mint, lamb, tomatoes, cucumbers, rice, garlic, cumin, and bell peppers. Those are all over the place in Moroccan food. So your bowl could be a base of couscous, right? You just cook it plain. Your protein could actually um, include your sauce. Like that's another thing too, um, is if you like saute your meat and then kind of simmer it a little bit in a sauce. So you could like saute ground lamb until it's crispy and cooked, and then add to that chickpeas, garlic, cumin, and a can of diced tomatoes. Okay. So it's saucy and spicy and everything is talking to each other. And you just put that on top of your couscous and then you top it with like fresh crunchy cucumbers and tomatoes and some fresh mint. I'm so hungry right now. This is a mistake to do before lunchtime. Um, Okay. So we're going to stop there because I don't want you to get too overwhelmed with like all the cuisines ever. Here's your hack though, to build a bowl with great flavors, have a destination Now, it'll often be a cuisine just because that's like an easy limit, but it can also be an actual dish that inspired the bowl. Now, we we didn't do one of those, so let's do one really quick. So you might have, um, you might have had like a banh mi sandwich before. They are so good. Um, It's on a special kind of Vietnamese baguette. P.S. Vietnam has a lot of French influence because of like colonization and all that stuff. So this is a baguette riff. And um, it sometimes even has pate on it, which is French and hilarious and awesome. Again, cuisines come from what's there in the country or what's brought into the country. So it's, to me, that's just kind of a fascinating, simple way of looking at it. Like these are just the ingredients that these people have and they have to figure out how to use them. I just think that's really cool. So a banh mi, it's on a light, crunchy baguette. 
It's usually chicken or uh, roasted pork. It's slathered with mayonnaise or even the pate, which offers like a creamy contrast to everything else in the sandwich, a lot of like crusty things. Um, and in the sandwich, you've got jalapeno, fresh cilantro, and other herbs, and then a ton of pickled vegetables. Now, do you see how you can easily make a banh mi dinner bowl? Make a base of rice or even like cubed up toasted leftover baguette, like bale croutons or something if you wanted to. Ground pork or rotisserie chicken for your protein. It's fine that it's just seasoned with salt and pepper. Like it doesn't, it, that's fine. Your toppings are going to be fresh cucumber, jalapeno, pickled carrots and onions, and fresh cilantro. And then just like thin out some mayonnaise with like a little lime juice. And then if you want like a, a kick of some heat, which I highly recommend, you could put in some sriracha or some hot sauce and mix that up together and drizzle that on top. Amazing. It was so good. Okay. Now we'll stop. Um, so you'd need a destination to help you narrow down your flavor options. And it helps to have an engine, one building block that you know is already set. If you need ideas on how to find out what ingredients go together, use already existing dishes as inspiration. Think about what is served at your favorite ethnic restaurants. You could Google ingredients in Chinese food or get the flavor Bible. Not only does it tell you what ingredients go together, like everything that goes with corn or black eyed peas, but it has cuisine lists too. Where do you think I learned a lot of this stuff? So in case you are curious and you're like, is it really worth the investment? Should I do it? These are all the cuisines that, that are listed in the flavor Bible. I, I, I gathered them all. This is the complete list. And they like they all have, like you look up the, the, the cuisine and it lists the ingredients for you that go with that cuisine. All right, hold tight. Are you ready for this? You're not ready for this. Afghan, African, three kinds, North, South, and West African food. Australian, Austrian, Brazilian, Cajun, Canadian, Chilean, Chinese, Creole, Cuban, Eastern European, English. Yes, that list has peas and mutton on it, which is amazing. Ethiopian, French, several regions in France, German, Greek, Hungarian, Indian, Indonesian, Iranian, Italian, also several regions for that one, Japanese, Korean, Latin American, Mexican, Middle Eastern, Moroccan, Portuguese, Russian, Scandinavian, Southeast Asian, Southern, like uh, like the American South, American Southwestern, Spanish, Swedish, Thai, Turkish, and Vietnamese, and scene. This book is amazing. Like truly. Um, and if you look at Eastern European ingredients and you think, cool, but what goes with like caraway seeds and juniper berries? Um, when you look at that list, like you just flip to the list in the flavor Bible for caraway seeds and juniper berries. Now, I don't care for either of those things. And you're not, you're not likely going to use that as an example, but that's the power of this book. Like you can find matches for literally anything if you wanted to. It's so, so great. So obviously I'm going to put a link to the flavor Bible in the show notes, or you can just click the link in the info section on your podcast app. I love it more than any book in my kitchen. Truly. It is a treasure. And so are dinner bowls. So I hope this episode has given you some inspiration on how to build your own. Uh, Don't be overwhelmed by the fact that there are more flavors than a person can try in a lifetime. Just enjoy what you have and take the pressure off of every bowl being perfect that's not how cooking works. You just try something and see if you like it, but start with what you have and know. The other day I was making a dinner bowl 
and I just had a bunch of random leftovers, but I didn't really have a good protein. I had rice and I had some like my standard like cucumber and green onion and avocado and a couple things, Um, but I didn't have a protein and I didn't have a destination. And so what I ended up doing for my protein is I had some hard boiled eggs and I chopped those up and put them on the rice. And it's already a little bit problematic because I don't, I didn't know where I was going. And I was like, well, I need something salty, I guess. And so I had some bacon, like cooked bacon in the freezer that I like heated up in the microwave really fast and crumbled it on top. And then I put um, cucumber and tomato and green onion and avocado and cilantro. I like threw everything on there. And then I was like, well, what sauce is this? I don't even know where I'm going. And I put on, I think I probably put on yum yum sauce because like, what else was I going to do? Or maybe I use Greek dressing. I don't even remember exactly, but I do remember when I ate it, I was like, this isn't, this isn't my best, this isn't my best work. And it's because I didn't, I didn't pick a destination, but you know what? It also wasn't bad and it was fine. And it was lunch that wasn't, um, sandwich crusts. So I'm just saying like, don't put so much pressure on it. Like it's even a, even like a not great dinner bowl or lunch bowl is like still pretty good. Okay. So that's it for today. Next week, we're going to talk about hacks and how to's to make the logistics of a dinner bowl actually work in your house, as well as talking about like that whole picky kid situation. And until then, be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. I'm Kendra and I'll see you next time. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.